0: That both Pastor Fred and Pastor Juice are not in with us and some of our other key male leaders because they are out serving in our kids' ministry. Cord, can you go check on them? Because we're worried about the kids knowing that. But it was our goal and intention and hope to get all of our moms here today as we have just a time together of opening God's word and really looking at some truths that cross all life roles, but speaking specifically to our moms. And so we want to do we do want to. Just check, though, on what's happening with our kids, if you'll just your, direct your attention to the screen.
1: This is so awesome. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, no. Pastor Fred. Hi. Hi. I'm Pastor Fred. Nice to meet you. It's good to have you here tonight. You've got some kids you're going to be dropping off here for the nursery. I do. Well, I do. they're going to have a great time tonight. We're back because it's Mother's Day weekend, so some of the dads are working in the nursery. And so we have some paperwork that we need everybody to fill out. It's You kind of give us the names of your kids, their, their date of birth, if they have any food allergies because we like snacks. And then we're also instituting a new policy tonight that we've got a building fund. And so to help raise money for the church, that you pay for every diaper that you need changed. And so you kind of have to, to guess how you know, how many dirty diapers or wet diapers you think they're going to have because if you don't pay ahead of time, so what we're asking some people to do, they're opening an account and then we can just charge the account and then if you have a credit it can carry over to next week which is a great way to help motivate people to come back to church. All right, hush up, pay attention, this could save your life. To finish the arm bar, bring your hips in, keep your legs together and bring his arm down, thumbs up. Oh my God. Isn't this a great story, boys and girls? All right, so then it says, go home, Katniss. I'll be there in a minute, I swear, whoa, he says. Well, P Fred, really? What? The, the Hunger Games for, for the kids? Come on. All right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Maybe we should do Elmo. OK, boys and girls. So then Elmo, he slumps unconscious on his knees, Held up only by the ropes at his wrists and what used to be his back is a raw, bloody slab of meat. This wow. is great. So, as Elisha keeps walking, he's like, God, I'm getting real sick of these punk kids bothering me. So, what's God do? He sends two bears out of the bushes and they make a Happy Meal out of them, eat them for lunch. So, let's obey the rules. Uh, Pastor Fred, who's watching the kids? What kids? Oh no.
0: <laughs> so if you're nervous, you have good reason to be. They are in good hands tonight. We were promised you that. So, how many here love their mom? How many here have a mom? Raise your hand. Yeah, we love our moms. We need our moms. We learn so many things from our moms, don't we? So many life skills that are necessary. I know that one of the things that my mom did, it was not uncommon for my sister and I, speaking of life skills, to come home from school. We um, shared a room and there's four of us. So my mom ran a tight ship so things didn't get out of control. And so, growing up, she would, um, I would come home from school, welcome home, girls, I have a snack, but you'll find, before you can indulge in that snack, a pile in your room, and you have one hour to organize it, and so what she would have done while we were at school, was she would have done a clean sweep of our room, even as teenagers, yes, she did, anything that was out of place, anything that might have been in a random pile, or shoved to the side, or under the bed, anything that didn't have a home, was in this huge pile in the middle. Of Of our room. And she would say, You have one hour to organize it and make it have a home. And so I was probably like the nerdiest eight year old because I had a file cabinet at eight in the effort to save all my precious things. But that was such a good life skill that my mom taught me because even now as a mom, I'm constantly, Where does this go? Where is its home? Does it have a home? Okay, if I don't give it a home, it won't have a home. So I need to do it. So as moms, we can appreciate that life skill. We have Lots of time spent, if you're a mom, in organizing and planning, don't we? I mean, we could be professional organizers and planners. So we love participation here at the City Life Church. I'm going to ask the moms, what are some of the areas of your life that you organize and plan? But before you do, I'm so excited about the giveaway because it's a label maker. And if you're a mom, you should have one of these in your house. Oh, yeah, this is fabulous. Now, my first relationship with the label maker started just five short years ago when I met my good friend Christy, who is here tonight. Welcome, Christy, recovering from back surgery. If you want to feel loved and affirmed, you go hang out with Tim and Christy Rogers. If you want to feel inferior, weak, lacking in your life, then you walk over to her pantry and you open it. And what you will find, my friends, are airtight, clear, sealed containers, all labeled. No box of Triscuits with a clothespin on it at her house. No Cheez-Its, you know, with a little bit of stale air sweeping into them. No, none of that. A label maker. So on my worst days, I just recently labeled my entire filing system. And so, In the midst of raising children, when things get chaotic and out of control, you may find me sitting Indian style in front of my open file cabinet, just looking at the labels and rocking back and forth. (laughs) True confessions. So I'm so excited to give a label maker away. Okay, moms, what are some areas of your life that you spend time organizing and planning? Denise. Okay. That's out of control. That's fabulous. You're kidding me. Love, they didn't have, I'm already old enough to say they didn't have that, but my kids were in diapers. Okay. Somebody else, areas of your world that are constantly getting unorganized that you need to bring order to. Anybody? You guys are so nervous now that I'm right here. Becca, The calendar, is it color coded? Is it on the wall? No. Okay. You need. You need more than a label maker. Somebody else. Tara. Toys. They all have a home. Mm-hmm. Bins inside of bins. <laughs> Gretchen. The menu. Oh, do we aspire? Do we aspire to have a menu? I have a chalkboard on the front of my um, pantry. And I have our menu because I'm a menu girl because I like to eat. And um, people come over and they're like, that's not real, right? So I just like, have this like, fantasy menu of what we might be eating on my best week. And I just leave it up there like a decoration in our house. We're eating SpaghettiOs, but it looks like we're having chicken codon bleu with steamed asparagus. <laughs> Rebecca. I'm sorry? Chores. Chores. Who's going to do what? Okay. So I want to give this label maker to our newest mom. So if you have a baby six months or younger, or you have found out you're going to be having a baby, is there anyone here? Who? Oh, Felicia is pregnant with twins! Is there anyone else? Because she really needs a label maker. You probably need two. Who else? Oh, oh, and May is two. Do you, either of you have a label maker? I'm stingy with my label maker. Okay, when is your baby due? November. But you already have a daughter, so you probably have some labeling. Okay, I'm going to give it to May, because this is her first baby. Give it up for May. <laughs> Woohoo! We're going to get her started on the path of motherhood right, launched in the right direction as she becomes a mom. The real question is, once you have children in your home, is not do you try to keep things organized. It's how long does it stay that way, right? So like at my house, when we clean the floors... I'm like, okay, if we're going to have 12 and a half minutes where nobody eats a cracker, because then we're going to celebrate the floors. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to look at them, and then life can re-engage. So there's things that constantly need organizing, and then there's things that we always have to go back to, don't we? To restore order out of chaos. And that is what I want us to talk about a little bit tonight as we talk to, to a universal truth in the Bible that applies to all of us, but making it specific to moms, and that is this big idea, this spiritual truth that a properly ordered life realizes that all things must have a place. A properly ordered life realizes that all things must have a place. Psalms 37.23 says, "...the steps of a righteous woman are ordered by the Lord." And I love that because it talks about the fact that we're going somewhere, aren't we? We're on our way somewhere, but it also speaks to this idea that the order of getting there matters to God. The journey matters. The process is important. And I want to share to you tonight, with you tonight, about this idea of a properly ordered life because it's one of those things, unlike tying your shoes and wiping yourself, which I'm glad to say all three of my kids now do, it's just fantastic, that These life skills we're constantly training our kids for, there is a reality that the ordering of our lives, the value system of our lives, we're constantly infusing that into our children. And it's one of those things that we pass on that often we don't talk about. We don't have a chart that says step one, step two, step three on the door of our refrigerator, but we're constantly passing on the ordering of our lives. And it's so important that we get this right, not just for ourselves, but for our children. And I don't know about you, moms, if you're like me... Fred and I have these sick conversations, you know, what are we doing to our kids that's messing them up that we don't know about? You know, every parent has that. The things that, you know, they're going to talk to us about when they're older, they're going to be paying for therapy, you know, and we're so desperately trying to get it right and do it right. We live with this keen awareness, I do day in and day out, that I don't get a redo. I don't get a redo in this walk with God. And I certainly don't get a redo of these few short years that I have with my children, So I want to share this morning just some truths from God's Word pertaining to a properly ordered life and submit them to you just to pray about and think about. And I hope that you will find it encouraging because God has the answers to how to do it amidst the busyness and the chaotic, hectic lives that we live. There is incredible confidence that we can have, incredible knowing that we can have, and that should bring us great hope. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13... I want us to read just verse 1, 2, and 3 there. 1 Corinthians 13, what's the chapter known for? Anybody? Mm -hmm. We are not talking about love because that is an easy one for moms. But let's look at this scripture because there's a deep truth here. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge— And if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing, nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now, I think all of us here in this room would look at this list of things and we would say, yes, those are good things. Those are things I want active in my life. Faith that can move mountains. These are things all of us should be striving for. These are things to be celebrated. But what I think Paul is saying here, he's making a fascinating point, isn't he? He's saying these five things that even the good things in life, even the things that we should be desiring, if they aren't in their proper place, they lose the right value. And so, this idea of the things for which we should be striving need to find their proper place. So, how many here cook? I like to eat, hence, I cook. Yes. How many here cook? Okay. So if you cook, you probably follow a recipe. Now, there's different strategies of cooking. There are... Um the, the dump cook. I didn't know this category, so I'm excited to tell you about it. It's my friend Laura Nowani. She She's a self-professed dump cook, and what she does at 4.30 is, oh my gosh, what are we going to have for dinner? But then she has this fabulous array of canned goods and items in her fridge, and so she opens it up, and she dumps things together, and she doesn't really know the ratio, and then she presents it to her family, and the good thing is if you hate it, you're never going to see it again because no one recorded it. The bad thing is if you love it, you're never going to see it again, right? So that's the strategy of dump cooking. So you live in the moment at her house and you don't take it all too seriously. It's a great strategy. There is the assembler. Celeste is my self-confessed assembly cook. She goes, I don't cook. I assemble. So she gets all these ingredients, right? She might heat some. She might add water to some. But then she mixes them all together and she has these fabulous meals for her family. But it's not really cooking, cooking. And then there's bakers. How many here bake? I'm such a wannabe with baking. Because baking... Now, I have a few recipes I've mastered, but baking is really different because you have a lot of steps. You know where it says like you have to sift the dry ingredients? I mean, isn't life too short to sift? Am I the only person in the room that thinks that's a joke? Okay, I saw Rachel Ray the other day. You can buy pre-sifted flour. It's been sifted 27 times. I don't know what those people are doing or what, who designs those machines, but you can buy it pre-sifted. So I never understood until truly just recently that when it says, you know, sift the dry ingredients and then make a well and you add the stuff that's wet and all of that. And I never understood that you actually had to follow those instructions because I would just put them all in the pot and wonder why everything was flat. So, But when you begin to bake, particularly, you begin to realize that the quality of the ingredients matter, that the order of the ingredients matter, and that the amount matters. And so it is with our lives. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures that speak to this. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It would be foolish of us moms to to think about anything else or to talk about any other starting point of the ordering of our lives if we weren't to start with our mind. I believe that the battle for the affections of our heart, every every decision we make, every action and behavior that comes out of our lives goes through the grid of our mind. Do you think I'm right there? I mean, I think that's where life is lived, is the battlefield of our mind. And I love this scripture. I find it fascinating because it says, Set your mind on things above... Not on earthly things. It doesn't say on bad things. Don't set your mind on sinful things, things you know are wrong. It just says earthly things. And I think that as moms, we are so busy in the mundane tasks of raising our children, many so mundane in the rep- repetition of them, in the busyness of life, in who needs new shoes, and what size do they wear, and have they pooped enough times if you have a child in diapers. I mean, how many have a chart of that kind of stuff? If you have babies, it's a nightmare, exactly. We have all these details of our kids' lives that we are tracking, that it's easy for us to get caught in the trap, not, not, not ill-intended on our own part, to be setting our minds on these earthly things. And so here we find in this scripture a challenge and an invitation to begin to realize that our mind, we can actually make a choice to put our mind in a place that's heavenly, in a place that is driven and defined by God's value system. So I would ask you if you're a mom, what defines a good day? It's not bad that there's earthly things that define a good day, but are you living in a place where your mind is driven by the thoughts of Christ and his value system? Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The proper ordering of our lives begins with our mind, and the renewing of our mind begins with being aware of what's happening there. That's the biggest battle. Does anyone agree with that? It's sometimes we forget that thoughts come through our mind, but as Christians, as parents, we need to be so careful as men and women of God that we realize that it's not wrong for a thought to come, but what we do with that thought begins to define our life. Where we let that thought take us, the words that then come out of our minds, the thoughts, the decisions, the attitudes, that begins to sculpt the landscape of our lives and it all starts here in our mind. What are the rehearsed scripts that you dwell on day in and day out? This is such a challenge for me. You know the little ticker readout in, in Times Square? You know, what if we could hook my brain right now or your brain up and it could read out for everyone here in this room? I mean, what are the things that go on in our mind that that maybe don't come from the Lord? That maybe aren't heavenly. Thoughts of comparison or judgment or discontent, fear, anger. We need as moms to begin to realize that when we are fighting for the for our minds to be Defined by the value system of God, that we are in turn fighting for an order of life that comes from His throne room. I want to read you 2 Corinthians 10 5. And if you have not memorized this, can I just encourage you in this? It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It takes a lot of work to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. But we have the authority and the privilege to be able to do that. Now, I want to read this to you in the Message Bible because I was so excited and ministered to when I read this wording of this same scripture. It says, We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting, this is my favorite part, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse, into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. How many women here have some loose thoughts and emotions and impulses? Am I like the only girl here that does, right? Sometimes it's scary, depending on which day it is, what week it is, how many loose thoughts and emotions and impulses I have. And I love this scripture, this visual image of I can take those things and I can bring them into a life that is structured by the shape of Christ. A life that says to my mind, here's the standard of God's Word. Does this thought, does what's happening here in my mind, is it upholding this standard? And if it's not, delete. Delete, right? It's a little bit easier to talk about it than it is to do it, but we have the authority and the power through Jesus to do that. A real practical question we can ask ourselves when we're thinking about the renewing of our mind, when we're thinking about how this plays out in practical life, is what does God's Word have to say about this in my life? What does God's Word have to say about how I'm spending my time or my money? The relationships that I'm investing in You know, it's important as moms that we are investing not just in our children, but in relationships, and it's important in the limited time that we have to give to those relationships that they're intentional, and I would invite you and encourage you to make sure that the friends that you're investing in aren't just girlfriends that are yes girls to you, moms, but they're women of God who will say, you know, have you thought of it a different way? Or you know what? God's word says this, and what you're saying is not true, and they'll call you out. I will tell you what. You will, you will become a new person. They will call, A friend like that will call you to a new place. So even though as moms we have a limited amount of bandwidth of our lives to give to girlfriends and to other friends outside of our family, we need to be intentional and strategic about it. It can be so life-giving. What does God's Word have to say about what I'm listening to, both the mo- thoughts that come into my mind and then just the media that I'm letting myself listen to? I was shocked recently. I, went to, I was at the gym. It was an odd time, and I um, normally listen to podcasts on my phone, but I plugged in, and there was news, and then it changed programming, and the show The View came on. Do you all know what The View is? I guess it's been on for years. I didn't even know it was still on. I recognized Barbara Walters, but I didn't recognize any of the other women. And so they always throw out like a controversial question at the opening of the show. And so, you know, the, the women take their seat and they said, um, the opening question was, do you think if you're having an affair, you're married and you're having an affair, is it necessary to tell your spouse? And I kid you not, I thought I was listening to a parody or a, a Saturday Night Live sketch. Not one woman there said that it was necessary to tell their spouse they were having an affair. And then one woman raised her hand and said, well, there might be some reason if, you know, there was a sexually transmitted disease. I couldn't believe it. I had, I almost stopped by, on the treadmill or whatever I was on. I thought, is this what the women of America believe? Is this what we're listening to, sometimes maybe thoughtlessly? Is this? And so I know that all of us would say, that's ridiculous. But we really have to understand that we, there is a philosophy and a value system that this world is pitching to us that is so not from God's Word. Even the thoughts that we have about ourselves, you know, there's no magazines. I had a stack of them to bring, but I forgot them. I love magazines, you know. I don't have the attention span for a lot of books right now in my life. So I have style and good housekeeping, better homes and gardens, you know, woman's day. My boys tease me. Women's Day. That's just weird. But um, there's not one article in my stack of magazines that I have on, you know, my stand right now that tells me that it's okay for me to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And what I look like is good and pleasing to my Heavenly Father, and I can pass that on to my daughter, and it's okay to be content with who I am, and it's okay to age gracefully. I mean, that's just, I'm just talking to you from my own journey, and I know I wanna get this right, because I have an eight year old little girl, and I want her to be comfortable and just as confident in 10 years as she is today at eight. And so she doesn't hear mommy talking good about herself, which is hard because I don't know how to do that. There's nothing I read in the world that shows me that, but the Bible is full of that, that I can say things about myself. I'm not perfect. Of course, I'd love to lose 10 or 20 pounds, but you know what? I can be confident in the woman of God that he's made me, and I give the gift of that to my kids, not by buying into what popular culture says, but by knowing what God says about who I am, knowing what God says about my future and my role in their lives. And so when we're talking about our mind, we're really talking about all of these decisions that we make day in and day out of what we're going to do with what comes into our mind. Are these things in line with God's value system? Because here's the real kicker. It gets better. All women are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Okay, so picture a glorious field, the sunlight dappled, sunlight across the field, right? Grass blowing in the breeze, beautiful flowers. Keep reading. The grass withers and the flowers fall, girlfriends, but the word of the Lord stands forever. That's what they make expensive creams and shapewear for, right? I mean, the reality is... That everything in our lives changes—not just our physical, but everything about us. If you like where God has you now, get ready; it's going to change. If you don't like it, it's going to change. Everything about life changes—the season of life we're in, what our children need from us, the season our marriage is in, the job we have, the address we have, our the way we like to dress. How many have a room decorated in their house and says, "Not your preference anymore," right? As girls, change our styles change. Our preferences change. I have, ex- have had more change in the last five years of my own life than I ever expected. Five years ago, we up and moved from Richmond, and God called us here and planted us here, and what a joy it has been. But we started a new life. And then not only that, 20 months in, Fred shared a little bit about our journey, but we found we owned a home built with toxic giant Chinese drywall, and we couldn't live there. So I am not in the military, but I have moved four times in four years. Mm-hmm and I don't want to talk to you all that move nine times in four years, because I've already talked to some of you. They're like, Vanessa, we don't feel bad for you. But see, I'm not in the military, and I didn't sign up for this. And that's my conversation with God, right? <laughs> I said yes to serve the church and God's people, but I did not say I would move my family this many times. But things change. You know, life happens, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We can take it to the bank that God's word is true, he will perform, that's which, which he says, and we don't have to worry about the home we can't live in that we own or the change in our financial status or all of these things, what the, someone might be saying about our children this year. We can say, we can build our lives on it. There, there is nothing unchanging about what I've built my life on because it's the word of God. I want to read Luke 14 for you this is a great picture. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, give this woman your seat, and humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Okay, so if you thought showing up with the same outfit on was bad, this is like worse, right? I mean, this was written in a time, and it happens like at state dinners here, where who you're seated with is very significant. Who you're across from, they bring these, you know, for state dinners, they bring in these etiquette consultants, and it's very important who the guest of honor is, who is seated at their table, and the proximity of every other guest to the guest of honor. And so in this culture... It was customary because there had families and tribes and clans. And so where you were seated indicated the honor that you were due. And so can you even imagine? It would be like, Emily, it's so good to see you. You look great. I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with us tonight. If you would just come with me with the others here in the back corner, it would be, we're just glad you're here, but you know what I mean? I mean, can you even imagine, right? But so it is with our lives. Each one of us, picture this, has a banquet table in our life. And I want to encourage us tonight, particularly the moms here, to take a look at the seating of who's seated and the honor that they're given at that banquet table. Because it's very easy for the wrong things to be in the wrong seat. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't have a seat at the table. It's just the honor that you're giving them. And sometimes in the busyness of life, we are giving Good things, lots of honor, and great things are getting pushed to the side. And our priorities can easily become skewed. And so some of us need to walk through that banquet hall of our heart and do some rearranging. It's a powerful picture, isn't it? So I want to give you what I call the recipe of a rightly ordered life, just talking from my own life, what I've found in God's Word, the teaching that I've sat under in my own walk with God, and talking to you not as a mom who's figured it out, but just as a mom who's in the trenches of raising my kids and desperate for God's power and enablement. Desperate, day by day, week by week, knowing that I don't get a redo. God, how do I get this right? Show me. Open your word. Teach me. And so here is my personal order of a rightly ordered life, and that is number one. The number one seat of honor at the banquet table of my life is my personal devotional life with Jesus Christ. And so... It sounds like, of course it is, Vanessa, you're the pastor's wife. Of course it is, you're a Christian. Excuse me. But I can't tell you how many women in our own church that when they are talk to them, and they might be going through something difficult, and you ask question 101, tell me about your devotional life. Well, I'm, I read the Bible once or twice a week. And man, in that moment, I'm graceful, but can I just, can I just talk? honestly with y'all. We cannot expect to be the people that God wants us to be if we are not desperate for his power and desperate for his value system and opening up his word and making it one of the most fundamental practices of our life, one of the most fundamental things that we do. We cannot expect our kids to be passionate lovers of Jesus Christ and to walk away from a value system of this world if everything about our life does not engage them to do the same, make it the most exciting adventure-filled, passion-filled way to live life. Can I just say that? And so moms, you need to be reading your Bibles. You need to be worshiping. You need to be doing it every day. I don't know what that means for you, but we would not be good leaders if we were not being honest about how important it is. So important that it's not a question of, did I read my Bible? And I know that a lot of us in this room are at a place, did I read my Bible today? But you want to make your goal, what did I read in my Bible today? Not, did I read my Bible today? And not so much just reading, but the talking with God and opening God's word and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be today? How am I supposed to navigate today? And if you are desperate for God, I'm telling you what, he's going to show up in your life. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you a perspective on people, your children, your marriage, your finances, that only comes from being in his presence. Otherwise, you're going to be thrown about by all those loose thoughts and emotions and impulses that come throughout the day. You know, our kids are eight, nine and a half, and Derek will be 12. And they started reading the Bible for themselves. Claire's right at that age. We still read with her. But, you know, I don't, And this isn't a brag, this is humble, we're not done this journey yet, but I just want you to know, I don't ask my kids, who know how to groom themselves, did you brush your teeth today? They just brush their teeth, right? I mean, we just, there's things they do. I don't ask them, did they change their underwear? They're at an age where they change their underwear, and they shower, and they take care of themselves. So that's how fundamental reading the Bible should be for our kids. It shouldn't be, is it something I'm going to do today? And the only way we do that is by modeling that for our kids. A practical tip for moms and for dads, if all of your time with God is in private, and that's good in in the sense that you need quiet and maybe you need study, that's great. But there is nothing better than opening God's Word or on your phone or your iPod right in the middle of the chaos and the insanity of what's happening (laughs) and let your kids see you reading God's Word. Let them hear you read a verse, and you talk about it with your kids. Let that be part of your life, not something that's once in a while, but just do it. And I don't have to check with my kids, and there might be a time, but I don't think there will be, I'm being honest. They don't know, they don't know and, and honestly, I was raised in a home where that's what my parents did. So I'm on the shoulders of them, so I submit that to you. Every day, both my parents were in God's word. Every day, I saw my dad praying and seeking God. And so I have lived, have had the privilege of knowing that That's the way you do life. That's how life is done. And so I'm getting to model that for my kids. And I'm an example of one of those kids that the parents got that part right. And I didn't even know that there were people that called themselves Christians that didn't read God's word every day. I didn't even know that existed. Does that make sense? It was so inherent and fundamental. And so I I just really am passionate about talking to moms and dads to have time with God in a way that's visible, in a way that's consistent, and in a way that's powerful. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. It doesn't have to take a long time. But if it's not happening, you're not going to be able to be the person that God's called you to be. All right. The second thing on my recipe is the life roles that I have. And this is interesting because guess, oops, sorry, I'm going to go back. Oh, sorry. I don't get to do this as often as my husband, so I'm not as good. My life roles. Guess what's first, and then guess what's second? Wife or mom, which one comes first? Ouch! Doesn't that hurt when you're a mom? Because it's so hard to get that right. So when I'm talking about life roles, if you're a mom here and you're married, then you're a wife. And if you're a wife, then your kids ought to know that your husband comes before them, not in a way that demeans them, not in a way that taunts them, but in a way that gives them incredible confidence in in your love relationship with your spouse and that they know that I'm second to dad. My kids know that if Fred had to put them in a lineup, they were, he's going to pick me every day of the week over them. And they need to know the same from mom, not just from dad. They need to know. And in a practical way, what that means, mom, is you got to save time and energy for your spouse. You cannot ha- be all laughed out and touched out and fed up by the end of the day so that when it's time for adult time at 9.17 at night, and I had three kids in three years, so I know, Mary, we are praying for you, girl. Four under ten, hallelujah. It meant... I had to take a nap sometimes when the kids napped. And the last thing I wanted to do was sleep because I never got time by well myself. So I wanted to stay awake. <laughs> and they were all sleeping. But you know what? I knew that I wasn't even going to be able to have a conversation with Fred if I didn't t- shut my eyes for 30 minutes because I was so tired. Because I was getting up with babies in the middle of the night. So whatever season you're at, Mom, you need to ask God for wisdom, practical things that I need to do to live out and make tangible to my children and my husband that he is number one. See, we birth our children. We choose our spouse. We have a choice, and we need to continue to choose them. And so sometimes that takes great intentionality. All right, the second life role next to wife is my my role as a mom. Even if you're working, doesn't matter Your role as a mom should come very, very next. And this means that you have to not just be with our kids, but we need to be training and discipling our kids. So moms, I want to encourage you in that. The practical, what that looks like. It means that we're, we're, we're spending time learning about how our kids develop, and we're calling them to a standard of obedience. We were just in our parenting class this week, the Ashworths and the Agates and some other awesome families, Becca and Micah, in our life group. You know, we call our children to first-time obedience. There is nothing more hellish than teaching your kids to obey you the first time you speak. Can I just be honest? but do you know that all the time and energy that we spend in calling our children to first-time obedience is because we're trying to teach them how to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and the plans and purposes that he has for their lives. There is nothing convenient about discipling our kids. There is nothing easy about training them. So mom, some practical questions you can ask yourself. Am I doing most of my training in times of conflict, if you have children at home? Is most of my training done when I'm correcting and re, you know, r- helping them get back on track? Tw- only 20% of our parenting should be done in those moments. Do you know that 80% of our parenting should be dom- done in times of non-conflict and when we're encouraging them? We're role-playing. We're, we're debriefing them from something they just experienced. We're saying this is what good manners looks like. This is what it looks like to be this. This is what, and then breathing life into them and setting them up for success, setting them up for success, talking to them about what, what life looks like. 80% of our, encourage, of our dis- discipline and training should be in those times of non-conflict. So in the busyness of life, it's easy. I'm so guilty. As a mom, most of my training is done in moments of conflict and I have to catch myself. And really give myself a score. Am I training my kids? Am I discipling them? Am I giving them the skills that they need? Because as a mom, it's easy to try to survive the day and the week and forget the big picture. The reason that we're teaching them to be obedient is not so that life will just be easier today, but it's so that their life will be launched in the plans and purposes that God has. That they're going to be able to hear God's voice and understand what it means to obey completely and without complaining and without challenge. And if in our homes, we've never invited them into that place, we've never required that of our kids, it's not that they're not going to be able to serve God, but it's going to be harder. It's going to be more difficult it's going to be so we have this amazing opportunity that's just one little example to pour into our kids. So when you're mothering, are you being intentional? Being with our kids is not enough. We need to be really focused on our role of mothering. There's incredible biblical resources out there for us as moms. Moms who've gone before us who have written it down, how to take God's word and make it relevant. What it looks like in our homes day to day. So I just want to encourage you to get your hands on that. The third might surprise you. It's my M548 priority. If you come to City Life Church, M548 means our Matthew 548 priority, something we talk about with everyone who is a leader here at the City Life Church. Matthew 548 says what? Be ye perfect even as I am. Don't you just want to throw in the towel and walk away? (laughs) Be ye perfect even as I am perfect. And we talk about how necessary it is for each one of us to have an M548 priority. Sorry. Fashion crisis. Um, It's important for all of us to have an M548 priority because it's one of the distinctives of our theology. You know, there's some churches, there's great Christians who believe that when you get saved, you're just going to make it to heaven. You're, you are the way you are. There's not a lot of hope for change and God's grace is enough and you're going to squeak your way into heaven. But we do not preach that here at the City Life Church. We believe heaven now and heaven forever. And we believe that there is a life transforming power of God that we have access to. And so having a An M548 priority is very simply saying, God, what is your word? me today? What is the thing that you are working on me, that you're instilling in me, that's going to prepare me for what's next? And so a great, a great checklist is the pathways. We talk about those 12 pathways. We make it easy. If you go on our website, I mean, there's 12 pathways. If you're listening, if you're checking those things off your list, if you're tracking, if you're looking at yourself and measuring your life against those things, those are straight from God's word. Am I practicing generosity and accountability and stewardship and giving and, and gathering and relationships? Moms, I have those pathways printed out. I have them in my Bible and probably once every two weeks I'm looking at that. God, what are you saying to me? Which one of these is lacking or which one do you have something new and fresh to talk to me about? It might be my attitude. It might be something small. It might be something big. It might be something that's just for that day and sometimes it's something I work on for a couple months. Vanessa, you got to get this right before you can go on. So I always have something that God is talking to me about that's the, the, I call it the now word of God for Vanessa today. And as moms, we need to have that because otherwise the busyness of life, we look back and we go, I haven't grown in my walk with God. I don't look different, and it's been three months. And I think that one of the most exciting things about serving Jesus is that I know that I can look different in three months. I know that I can be a different person a year from now because of the power of God at work in my life. Amen? And so it's very important with all these things we have on our list that we are talking and being intentional about our growth in the Lord. And the last one is my vocation your vocation, whatever it is, whatever God's called you to put your hand to. And so for me, it's my life as a leader. And so it takes thought. It takes intentionality. It takes communications. It takes emails and Facebooking and phone calls and showing up certain places and all these things that God's called me to do. And it's a privilege and a joy. So whatever the work of your life is, whatever your job is, that should be the very next thing. And it's so easy to let other things creep up and those things get pushed down, right? And so it's important that no matter what vocation you find yourself serving in today, that we find ourselves doing it to the fullness and the excellence that God requires of us. Any job that anybody here has is just as spiritual as a pastor it's just as spiritual as an elder. We, God does not have a ranking system. Amen? He's saying, here's what I've called you to do. Do it with all your heart. Do it with excellence. Do it as unto me, to please me. And if you bring that to your job, then God is delighted and pleased and glorified. And so I hope that this is life-giving. I hope you're not too tired, moms. This is the great hope of Matthew 6.33. So if you're sitting here, moms, and you're saying, oh my goodness, this is a lot, it is a lot, and this is the great hope. The Bible says, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? His values, his priorities, his truths, which is what we're talking about today, and all these things will be given to you as well. And it has been my own personal experience That in the busyness and the craziness of life, there is a supernatural multiplication of my time and my energy when I get these things right. When I am doing these things right, there is a confidence to our schedule and our life. Even though the hour by hour, day by day might be crazy, I know that I'm living, the underpinnings of our life is on track of what I'm giving to my children, of what I'm living out. I can accomplish things that I think there's no way I would be able to get this all done this week. When I do these things right, there's a supernatural multiplication of my time and my energy, and so I would encourage you to consider that. I'm going to invite you to stand as our worship team comes to get in place, and I want us to go back in just a short time of reflection, just for a few minutes in worship, and I want to invite each of us, moms, dads, grandparents, young people, to... As we worship, as we're here in God's presence, to really think about the banquet table of your own heart and really look at the seat of honor that you're giving the things at your table. I have a feeling there's probably for some of us, there's some things that maybe are seated at the table that they need to actually be escorted out the door. We know those things, and they need to leave. For all of us, though, there's probably some things that are a little too close to the guest of honor and they probably need to be given a different seat. And maybe there's some things that have moved to the end of our banquet table. Things that are competing with the uh, setting our mind on things above, on God's value system. They need to be invited closer in and given a seat of honor They need to be, we need to reevaluate where we're seating these things. And so we're just going to go into a time of worship just for a couple of minutes. And I just want to invite you just to ask that question in your heart. God, at the table, the banquet table of my life, what are the things that need a greater seat of honor? What are the things that are getting too much honor in my mothering? Am I training and disciplining? Am I whittling too much time on Facebook? If maybe I'm not opening Your Word, but yet I know I'm on Facebook every day. I mean, the reality of our lives. What are the things that I'm spending my time on? What are the things that I'm passionate about? That might need to the passion might need to be turned down, and Your value system be given more the passion of my heart. Father, I just ask right now, Lord, that you're just going to come in the gentle, loving way that only you can do. And you're going to reach deep into that place in our hearts, Lord. And you're going to just breathe wisdom, Father, that we're going to experience just a touch from you, that you're going to show us. And God, I pray that we would be desperate in this conversation with you because we don't get to do this thing called being a mom over. I don't get this eighth year with my daughter Claire ever again. And God, I don't know about these other moms, Jesus, but I am desperate for you. I am desperate to get it right. I am desperate that the things that I'm teaching my children without even saying words, that they are going to launch them into the plans and purposes that you have for them. So Father, I pray you would come in this place and you would show us what is due honor and those things that deserve less honor that we would be women of God that can hold our head high and know, Father, that we are living righteously before you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We just have your way in this place. In Jesus' name,